I pray that we would continue to be a church that sins. Um, you know, that's exactly what this passage is about, that we have been empowered by God with all of the riches of the Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, don't, if you feel like you're kind of a whiplash, I feel that way preaching right now a little bit because I was totally ready to do the next part of the Apostles' Creed and Bob was like, nope, we're in Corinthians. And I was like, that's good to know. So we're, in, we're starting in Corinthians, so we're going to be in Corinthians for a little while, but we're in the first part of Corinthians, and this is verses 1 through 9 in chapter 1. Starting with verse 1. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, and from our brother Sosthenes. We're writing, he made you holy by means of Christ Jesus, just as he did all Christians everywhere. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you his grace and peace. And I can never stop thanking God for all the generous gifts that he has given you, now that you belong to Jesus Christ. He has enriched your church with the gifts of eloquence and every kind of knowledge. This shows that what I told you about Christ is true. Now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will keep you strong right up to the end, and he will keep you free from all blame on the great day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. God will surely do this for you, for he always does just what he says, and he is the one who invited you into this wonderful friendship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. I want to go back and I want to tell you something because uh, we, we kind of think about Corinthians. If you know, if you study the Bible a lot, Corinthians is maybe one of the most scathing rebukes slash corrections in the Bible. You're kind of like, what a pleasant, you know, other than chapter 13, what a pleasant book to spend a long time in, which also makes me wonder, what were they thinking when they named our church after them? But it doesn't start out that way. So keep in mind, I'm going to go over this again, but keep in mind, we're, Paul is writing to a church that is as dysfunctional as the day is long, but he doesn't start out jumping right in there on top of them. He starts out and he reminds them who they are and what they have, what they have because they have Christ. Now, I want to, I want to share a story with you before we get going. Um, Back in the day, this building wasn't here, and actually the the playground sat right about where we are, somewhere kind of over in this direction, and we had not a a whole quadrangle like we do now, and so you could kind of just drive a car right into the middle of the quad, and so somebody came and they broke into the Althaus room. The Althaus room is this room out here um, that is just right behind the sanctuary, first room when you come out. They broke out and broke in the Althaus room, and it was kind of a, you ever know people, Steve's, they do an exploratory break-in. Like, they break in, and they see what's there, and they, you know, I think they came in, I think they stole, like, a TV off a cart or something, they sold a TV and sold a VCR, you know, um, whatever. And so, but I think it was an exploratory, and then once they figured out that they could break in, in a sheer act of redneckery, they took a truck and backed it up to that door right there, came in with a truck, backed it up to the door, opened the door, and then stole our couches. Y'all don't get it. These couches, like, we were one step away from calling Habitat for Humanity to be like, please come and get these things. They were filled with probably dust from every old person 
from now since Jesus has been around, they were had mice in them. They were like busted. I mean, like the kind of couches like you sit down on like a, you know, like you're like, oh, wheezy, this is the big one, you know. Just awful, awful, awful. And I can just picture like Jed and Earl like, hey, man, we got a good one. Hey, get that other one in there. Let's put it in. We can fit another one on top. It's just four miles to Longview. Anyway, um, so they stole our couches. A few years ago, when we were doing some remodeling, someone came and said, hey, you know, we ought to like appraise this art on the wall. And we go and look, we're like, that art? What about it? That art that has been hanging on the wall the entire time appraised for north of $60,000, and these rednecks are stealing our couches. You just be like, I don't need, that's just, I'm more into like the impressionist movement anyway, you know, get that couch. I'm more of a Van Gogh guy. Because you know what? The world does not recognize the riches that the church has. The world doesn't recognize the, the riches that the church has because the riches that we have are permanent and the riches that we have are in Christ. And this whole part, before he's getting ready to lay the two by four to him for all the silly, awful, sinful things that the church of Corinth is doing, is he reminds them who they are and what they are, and what they have in Jesus Christ. Now, you know, again, coming through college, uh, I heard this so much that, you know, I finally had to sit down with someone when I was at App and just say, look, what, what do you mean? Because I don't understand. Because they kept on saying this, if we could just go back to the way the church was in the New Testament, if we could just get back there, and I'm like, have you read the New Testament? The, the dude doing crazy things with his dad's wife in the church. Do you want that? And so, so this idea that some of this romanticized notion of the perfect early church is dashed when we get here to the book of Corinthians. Corinthians helps us, though, however, understand the core parts of what does it mean to be a church? What is a church? A church is a group of people called by Christ according to his purpose. Essentially, a church is a group of people called by Christ for Christ. For Christ. The church is the people called by Christ for Christ. I know that's kind of a simple thing. And so if you've ever read the book Grace-Based Parenting, Grace-Based Parenting will talk about the fact that sometimes you have to discipline your children. And so you want to give enough positive, you want to put enough positive into your kids that when you need to make a withdrawal, <laughs> y'all, I got made withdrawals kind of like this. I don't know about y'all. Let's sit down for a week. But anyway, when you had to make a withdrawal, there was something in there to withdraw from. So he begins not telling them, think about this, he doesn't say, hey, you sinful people, I don't even know if all this is true about you. Regardless of their sinfulness, he tells them what's true about them because of who they are, what they are, and what they have in Christ. And so jump in here, and we're going to look at verse 1. So if you look at verse 1, jump in here. Before, verse 1 is, verse one is going to serve as the primer for the whole entire rest of the thing. Notice that in every single one of these verses, the name of Jesus appears. Either proper name, Jesus, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ our Lord. He's, he's specifically putting high Christology. Uh, or, or he even says, or he, the, the personal pronoun, he. You cannot escape from Jesus in every single one of these verses. And then Paul kind of asserts his authority. He's like, and by the way, I'm not coming to you because I appointed myself. I was on the way to go persecute Christians. Jesus busted me down off my horse and said, Saul, I'm going to change your name to Paul later. That's a whole other thing. But you're going to go and tell the Gentiles about me. 
So I'm not telling you something because I, because I just want to or thought it was a good idea. I've been commissioned by God himself. And by the way, this letter is also from a man called named Sosthenes. From what little we know about his, history, and Sosthenes was the leader of the synagogue in Corinth who converted to Christianity and who was then beaten for his faith. And so these two men are writing this to this group of people. And he reminds them again, says one more time, Jesus is going to be in every single verse. Every verse. Don't miss it. Here's Jesus. And so in verse 2, before he corrects and begins to rebuke them later on, he reminds the church of their identity. He reminds the church of identity. You have been called by God for God. You, he, then, then he talks to me, he reminds them about their position. You know where you are? You're in Christ. You're not in the world. You're, you're in Christ. You're, you're in Christ. And then also, too, not only in Christ, you've been empowered by Christ. Now, this is one of the things that I think, again, Molly and I have been having some great conversations about this lately. But, you know, the shortcut to working out is what? People don't want to work out, so they go take steroids, right? And steroids is a shortcut. And all of a sudden, you can begin to get bigger and more buffer, but then it tears you up. Well, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you don't have to do something else. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you are given the gifts of the Spirit at that moment. When you confess that you are a sinful and confess that Christ is Lord and believe upon him, you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, empowering you through the very power that is of Jesus Christ. So you're empowered by God. And he was reminding them also, too, about the church. And he would say to them, I'm paraphrasing kind of what he's saying, we have two addresses here at this church. One is 150 16th Avenue, Northwest, 28601 Hickory, North Carolina. We're a little bit lucky we're not that way because we'd be 150 16th Avenue, Place Drive, Court, Parkway, Northeast, Southwest, West, East. Anyway, but that's one of our addresses. But our real address is Corinth Church in Jesus Christ. Corinth Church at Jesus Christ. Corinth Church for Jesus Christ, Corinth Church by Jesus Christ. That is actually our true address. It's where we reside. We have a physical address, but we have one in Christ as well. And then verse three, he blesses the church. He blesses the church. And hear this on Mother's Day and Father's Day. I'm gonna share this with you moms and dads, especially those of you who still go and pray over your children in their bed. Bless your children in the name of Jesus Christ. Here is my joke that I've told for the billionth time. It's not funny anymore. Do you know why you bless your children in the name of Jesus Christ? It's the same reason why you don't say, oh, Buddha, when you stub your toe. Because there's no power in the name of Buddha. But there is power in the name of Jesus Christ. So you bless your children in the name of Christ. Stand over them because there's power in that name. And so he does the same thing for this church. And then in verse 4, there is a verb that shows up. And the verb literally means to you, it means you have been made wealthy. To make someone wealthy is the verb that is used there. He says, you have been made wealthy by Christ because you belong to him. And so later on, he would say this again in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, he said, don't you realize that you do not belong to yourself, but you belong to God? Your body is a holy temple because you were bought with a price. And something we've been talking with the youth about a lot. And then verse five, we kind of like, we got to introduce some of these these terms. And I know that some of y'all, you kind of feel like this is like going to seminary a little bit. But once again, he begins to also talk and he says, because of Christ's riches, you have been made 
plutocrats is the way that it looks in the Greek. You have been made plutocrats. You're like, well, plutoc- are those the people that just really love like the last planet in our solar system? No, don't vote for that guy either. It's not like a Democrat or a plutocrat. A plutocrat is someone that derives their worth from their wealth. They derive their worth and their identity from their wealth. Well, now apply that to the Lord. So what he's saying is, you have become plutocrats. Your identity is found in the wealth of power that God has given you. Now, this is an incredible statement because in the community of Corinth, Corinth was kind of like a swanky place. It was a very sinful place, but it was a seat of aristocracy, a seat of culture, a place where people enjoyed fine wine, fine food, fine art, fine music, fine discussion, the finer things. And the Bible quickly tells us later on that the Corinthians are not those people. They're kind of a ragtag group as far as the culture goes. But Christ says, But as far as Jesus goes, Paul says, as far as Jesus goes, you all are plutocrats. Your identity is found in the wealth of what and who you have in Jesus Christ. And then in verse 6, verse 6, this is the beautiful part. He says, you know, it confirms. you're, you're You're not just called by God. You're set apart for God. And so in verse 7, he continues on with this, and he says, listen, you know what? I'm going to tell you the same thing in Philippians 4.19. Our God will provide all your needs according to his riches and glory, as Philippians 4.19. But also, so he says, listen, because he's going to supply all your needs, live in holy expectation of the return of Jesus. And so make sure that as you're living in the position of who you are, then practice your position. Practice your position. Practice your position. Every single Christian, practice your position. What's the position you're in? Your position you're in is saved as a believer, redeemed, given glory, lifted up, being in right standing with the Father, having justified, been justified by grace through him, full of the Holy Spirit. Every kind of spiritual gift is yours, according to the scripture here coming up. So how do you live out of that? Do you live like, I don't know about God, I don't know, and I'm just going to sit at home and watch Netflix. Or, Kate Mullis, thank you, do you go, here I go, I've been gifted by the Holy Spirit, let me go. Send me, Lord, here I am. And so let your position dictate your posture, dictate your practice. And then in verse 8, verse 8 he begins, in verse 9 he's going to continue with basically also a legal term, a legal term. God is going to guarantee, and that's the legal word for guarantee is used here. He's not only going to guarantee to give you power, but he's also going to continue to give you mercy and grace. And this is what we said, who dare, this is Satan or anyone else, who dare condemn any whom Christ has called his own? That's not just a one-time thing that continues on. That's why we say, oh Lord, your mercies are New every morning. They don't fail. I'm guaranteeing it. And guess what? He is returning, so live like he is returning. And then verse 9, verse 9 is kind of like this, kind of like, just think about this for a minute. If God himself has invited you into a relationship, surely he is going to sustain you. And why is he going to sustain you? Well, that's kind of a trick question. He's not just sustaining you because he's God. He's sustaining you for himself. Mothers, you know how this is. You told your kids you were going to make them some chocolate chip cookies. They come in like the devouring hordes from the book of Job. And they just devour everything. But you have taken a few gently set apart elect 
cookies and put them maybe over here on top of the fridge. They're set apart not only by you, but what? For you. Not only by you, but for you. Why? So that you might enjoy them. Whoa! You mean that I, if you're following the analogy, that I've been set apart by God, for God, so that he might enjoy me? Yes. If you've ever heard John Piper preach, it's one of his things. God is most glorified, most glorified when you are most satisfied in him. Satisfaction. And so Paul is kind of, in a way, asking a question here, too. He's saying, well, then where Jesus Christ loves you? The last verse of this. He has called you to be his friend. Corinthians calls us simply back to some basics about church. Back to basics about church. What is church? Okay, what is church? Church are people called together by Christ for Christ. People called together by Christ for his purpose. Well, if our purpose is for Christ, that means that the church, and by church, the big C church, as we're all little C Christians, so if you're in the big C church, raise your hand, that's all of us, trick question, we're all in the big C church. That means that your purpose in your life is for Christ. That's your purpose. You exist for Christ, you were empowered by Christ, you were sustained by Christ, because the church is found in Christ, and it's, I know this is kind of simplistic, but every single church has issues, every church, because we neglect one of those things. We either neglect that our purpose is for Christ, we neglect that we exist for Christ, we neglect that we're empowered by Christ, we, we neglect that we're sustained by Christ, and we neglect that we're found in Christ. Or Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And I don't know if you're Seinfeld, if you're a Seinfeld watcher, but there was an amazing episode where one time Elaine borrowed Putty's car and he had nothing but Christian radio stations on his car. And she's just kind of like trying to find something to listen to. And she hits number one and it's like, Jesus. And she's like, oh. She hits number two and it's like, Jesus. And she hits number three and it's like, and Jesus. And all of a sudden she turns it off and she goes, Jesus. And he goes, it's, it's all about him. You can't get away from that. So very simple. Very simple. Number one, it's all about Jesus. You're kind of like, man, I've heard that before. Hear it again. It is all about Jesus. You cannot escape Jesus in the sex. And there's a reason that Paul says in verse one, Jesus. Verse two, Jesus. Verse three, Jesus Christ, our Lord. He wants you to get it. It is all about Jesus. Paul ensures that there's no way that the church can forget that it exists, that it is, that its purpose is, that it's empowered by Christ. And so you've got to repeat again that the church exists for Christ. And if you look in verse 2, he tells you one more time, the church is called by Christ. The church is for Christ. The church in verse 3, blessed by Jesus. The church in verse 4, it's gifted the church is gifted in verse 4. To, in verse 4, the church belongs to Jesus. Verse 5, the, ver, the church is made rich by Jesus. Not rich, rich. Verse 6, the church is assured by Jesus. Verse 7, it's going to be rescued by Jesus. It's going to be rescued by Jesus. Verse 8, it's going to be sustained by Jesus. He doesn't just leave us, he sustains us. In verse 9, we're friends with Jesus. And just like Elaine, Jesus... It's essential that the church not only remembers but functions under the truth that we exist for no other reason than for the joy according to Christ. We exist for no other reason than that. And we get out of whack when we do anything else. 
And so it's hard for me as we do this whole thing about the 150th anniversary, because in my mind, I'm like, this is great. We've been around for 150 years. Let's make sure that people don't think it's that we're, oh, 150 years. It's by the grace of God, by what Christ has done, through his sustaining, through everything that is good about him, he is the one that gets glory because 150 years of sinful people keeping something together is not worth celebrating. 150 years of God being faithful to sinful people is absolutely worth celebrating. And so, again, where we get out of whack and where you and I, we, we, can't, we can't do this, well, that church over there, well, that church over there, because it's this church right here. We will get out of whack when we elevate our procedure over our Savior. Well, our procedure, that's, that's what really makes us. The way we do things, that's us really, nope. Who our Savior is is more important. Well, our location well, look where we are. Look at our building. Look at our building. Our building. Da, da, da. And I had to have these conversations with a lot of old people when I first came to Corinth. I was like, I would not drive right by our building if it was me. I mean, like, I definitely don't want to go in there. Dracula's in there. That's mostly the sanctuary. It's just it's imposing. It's imposing. It's, it's big. When, when, we, when we elevate our pastors, when we elevate our pastors, when we elevate all of these things, and we forget that we exist for Christ. I told this story to the youth last week, and so it's embarrassing, and it's a good Mother's Day. And my mom was actually at the play last night, sitting next to some of our youth, and I was like, here she is. You can ask her if I make up any of these stories. Let me just find out right now. But before my junior year in high school, we went to Chelsea, which is a really rough area in Boston, to do an inner-city mission trip. And so here we are rolling up in our bus that says Forest Hills Baptist Church on it, rolling up kind of like as people are starting to be done. Chelsea is a very multi, multi-ethnic neighborhood. Um, a lot of people just kind of sitting out. And just the way it was, when you pull a big giant bus up onto an inner city street, there's nowhere to park that thing. So we're sitting out in the street trying to find some way to park. So me being so social figure that I would talk with the local people. So you know how it is. You have to like pull the window and just get it down like that. To which I proceeded to stick my head out the window and be like, hey girl, you look good. Yeah, we're from that North Carolina. Gonna be staying here all week. Oh, girl, oh, look at you on your bike. Girl, yeah, yeah, mm, mm. Hey, hey, what's your, what's your friend doing? Hey, y'all come over here. Immediately, I felt this hand reach down and grab both my mullet and the back of my shirt. Pull me in and be like, do you want to get shot? And I was like, I mean, I was just trying to holler at those girls. You know what? Not only did I forget who I was in that moment, a white kid from North Carolina, Two, I forgot who I was representing. I forgot who I was representing. First of all, the bus church name is right there. It's right there. They're like, well, I'm sure not going to go see anything those idiots have to do this week. Forest Hills, that name will go down forever. But not only that is who I represented in Christ, because it's not just that I represented him, I was in him. I was in him, and I forgot who I existed for. And, and we used this word last week with the youth, but I use it again. When you forget those things, you bring dishonor. We bring dishonor. So I think about how do we as a church bring honor to the Lord because we remember 
Our purpose is for Christ. We exist for Christ. We're empowered by Christ, and we're sustained by Christ because the church is ultimately found in Christ. And if we ever forget that, we will have issues. And then finally is this. The joyful church values what they have in Christ. The joyful church is one that values what they have in Christ. Is Corinth here in the Bible a joyful church? I don't know. Is Corinth Reformed Church in Hickory, North Carolina a joyful church? We, we kind of need to go that. Because we're going to say something that's too light of a term. Contentment, the word contentment, contentment means being happy with what you have. Isn't this also the secret to happy marriage? Learn to love what you have. Learn to appreciate what you have. Learn to celebrate what you have. Learn to lift up what you have. Learn to nurture what you have. Learn to build what you have. Learn to value what you have. And then we say, you know, (laughs) the contentment is being happy with what you have. But that is way too light of a thing to say about Jesus. It's way too light. Because Jesus says here, and Paul says there in this text, you have been gifted and you are gifted with every kind and every one of the spiritual gifts of Jesus Christ. And so I say this to you, dissatisfaction, discord, and disharmony plague those who elevate the value of any other thing over the riches that they have in Christ. Buildings burn down. Pastors and teachers die legit but the gifts of the Lord that he has given you go on and notice this Paul says this to them on the front end he doesn't say you sinful people you're doing this this guy's doing crazy stuff with his father you get together to go eat the whole eat at the holy supper and you're getting drunk and these people don't get to eat and you're doing that what a bunch of idiots some of y'all think that all you got to do is speak in tongues and then you shout down other people and you don't let anybody and I, I don't even know what to do with you How does he start? You are called by God. You were in God. He has called you to be his friend. He has set set you apart by his power and for him. And every single and every kind of spiritual gift is yours because of Jesus Christ. What do you do with it then? You sit on it. Do we say, this is great, we've been getting every spiritual gift? Or do we go out and be the hands of feet, empowered by God, not in our own strength? My great aunt was a jewelry maker in New York City for a little while, and she began, she made jewelry for professional baseball players. And one of the professional baseball players she made jewelry for was a guy, probably never heard of him, but his name was Raleigh Fingers. And I don't know if he's in the Baseball Hall of Fame, but he was a serious pitcher, had this like, big handlebar mustache, and so I like baseball, and so she got me like a couple like Raleigh fingers, like, you know, standing there, and he's had all this like, like Mr. T, like, uh, you know, jewelry on, and two Paul, and whatever, and then one time, she came and she brought me a baseball, and it's, and it wasn't like a brand new one, it was one that had been used, and it was like two Paul, Raleigh fingers, and whatever year, is like 1982, or whatever like that, then I got it, and I was like, this is awesome, and I set it up on my mantelpiece, until one day I wanted to play baseball. <laughs> you know? And man, we whacked that thing around, bro. We just bam, 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 yeah, bam. And then like later on that day, I got back on it and it's just like, like on the ball. 
And my dad later on was like, hey, remember that Raleigh Fingers ball? It's probably worth a lot of money. And I'm like, are you a handwriting expert, dad? We had, I had this valuable thing, but in reality, it had a use. It had a use. It was meant to be used, and I bet if I could go back, I think Raleigh's dead. God bless him. Um, but if I were to say, hey, you know what? That belt ball you signed for me, I took it out, and I'll wallop that thing. He'd be like, amen. Good job. And that's what you and I are called to do. We've been given this valuable gift the Holy Spirit in every riches, all of the riches that come along with Christ. And we cannot sit here like a hen on an egg. We've got to fling wide open the gates and invite the broken, the sick, the poor, the hungry, because that's us, that they would come and receive life, the same life that we've so been mercifully given by the Lord. And Paul doesn't start out by slamming this church for all the dumb things they're doing, but he reminds them first and foremost who they are. And so this morning, we remind each other, Corinth Church, you are called by God. You are set apart from the world by God. You are set apart for God, for his purposes, for his enjoyment. You have been given every kind of spiritual gift that Christ has because you belong to him, and because you belong to him, you belong to the Father because you now are friends with Christ. Those of you who were enemies, now you have been brought near. And let us, in that position, practice who we are. I'm gonna call the youth up. We're gonna finish with one more song, and I'm gonna pray for us while they're coming up. Lord God, thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. God, that your mercy that you don't give us what we deserve, Lord God, that you don't give us the punishment, that you don't give us so often you shield us from the consequences, Lord, and then your grace that you set us high among the heavenlies, not because of what we've done, but because of what Christ has done. And Lord God, let us never forget Jesus, 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 that it is all about Jesus, that it is for Jesus, that it is in Jesus, that it is through Jesus. It is never Jesus and anything else. Lord God, we are saved by you and you alone. We are saved by your righteous work completed on the cross and ratified at the resurrection. Jesus, be lifted high. Empower this church Lord God, to not sit on these riches, but to share them the way that they have been so richly shared and showered upon us because they can't be exhausted, Lord God. Our riches through the Holy Spirit are found in you. So the hope, the truth, the forgiveness, the grace, the power of healing, the power of speaking, the power of knowledge, the power of wisdom, the power of humility, Lord God, let us live that in a way that you are glorified throughout the world forevermore. And it's in your holy name we pray.